All right. Good morning. Good morning. I want to encourage you to find your seat if you haven't already. We are just going to keep riding this train. Who's thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, in this room? I'm not even sure or convinced that I need to preach at this point because of how the Lord just met each of us in that really sweet worship time. I'm so thankful for what he's doing already, but I do believe that the Lord has a word for us, and so I hope you came expectant this morning. I hope you came with your Bibles this morning. I hope you came ready for a word from the Lord this morning because I believe he has a word for you. Everybody say, for me. For me, the word for you is ready. The Lord wants to speak to you today. For those who don't know me, my name is Pastor Victoria. It's my honor to um, be on the team here at the bridge. And I just want to honor our leadership and our team right now for not settling for just um, good enough, but for helping us push into what the Lord did this morning. So can we thank our leaders and our pastors? Thank you, Pastor Chris, Pastor Teresa, Pastor Brian, Pastor Cynthia, our amazing team, and those who gave the word so boldly and bravely. Um, I believe that the Lord is blessing that word and that it's settling deep into our hearts. I'm so proud of this community and everything that God's doing. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, whether last week in person or the few weeks before that online, we've been in an awesome series called Grateful. And are you grateful today? Yes. Would you agree that we have some things to be grateful for today? We've been talking about the things, the characteristics of God that we are grateful for. And last week, Pastor Brian issued a challenge, a gratitude challenge. We hope that you have taken that challenge to heart and that you've been journaling your gratitude each day, each week. I'll tell you what, when I sit down and I think about what do I have to be grateful for, so much comes to the surface. And even the little things, I believe that even when we take notice of the little things, that we thank God for the little things, that all of a sudden the doors just fling open and we are able to have eyes for the bigger things he's doing. So maybe for you this morning, you're just thankful that you got to be here. Maybe you're thankful for the cup of coffee in front of you. You really need it. Maybe you're thankful for the people that you're sitting with for maybe something that God did this week, I want to encourage you to keep journaling that gratitude. Keep making space in your time with Jesus for gratitude. I believe that it's going to lift our hearts. I think that gratitude does something special in the believer, that it reintroduces some humility, but it also reintroduces some confidence that we have a God who gives good gifts and that he's still with us. And so even in a year of maybe innumerable losses, we have so much, right? And God is still so good and he is so present. And so I'm excited to continue this series this morning. And what I'm grateful for today is God's peace. I wore my crew neck. Something about becoming a mom, you just you, you transition into a cheesy place where you, you have to wear the sweatshirt that matches your sermon. I don't know. I used to be cool. Something happened. I'm grateful for God's peace. And I want to begin by reading for you John 14, 27. If you brought your Bibles, break them out. If you have your smartphone, break it out. You can follow along with us on the YouVersion Bible app, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we stand in agreement with what you're already doing this morning. We continue to press in. We will not check out. We need a word. We need a touch from you, Lord. I know there's so many in the room today that are weary. Maybe they're feeling a little less weary now having been in your presence, Jesus. But when we walk out these doors, the world, it's still, it's still all happening. And so I pray 
that we would just open our eyes and we would open our hearts to this, this gift of peace that is found in you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So if you know me, and then if you don't, here's a little fun fact. I'm a big word nerd. I love words. I love reading. I love learning. I let my nerd out every now and then. Reed sees the most of it. Sorry, babe. We talk about Lord of the Rings a lot. But for the most part, I keep the nerd pretty buried. But as I was thinking about the definition of peace and how it plays out in our life, I, had, I thought I would have a little bit of fun with this. Are you ready to have some fun, too, in the presence of God? So I'm going to give you a bunch of weird words, and then I'm going to share the definitions. There's just no way that you know these words. And if you do, find me afterwards, and please tell me, because we are long-lost soul brother or sister. I'm convinced. Okay, ready for the first one? Bibble. Everybody say bibble. 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 To drink often, to eat and or drink noisily. To bibble. There you have it. Ready for number two? Can you smile at me behind your mask? I can see when your eyes are wrinkled if you're smiling. Arenaceous. Arenaceous. Everybody say arenaceous. This one makes me laugh every time, so I'm going to try to stay professional. Of pertaining to or resembling a hedgehog. <laughs> arenaceous. I don't know the context in which that word's needed, but it's, it exists. Okay, ready enough for number three? Are you ready? ready. Macrosmatic. Not macrosomatic, but macrosmatic. Having a good sense of smell. Anybody macrosmatic? Like, I smell things that don't exist. I am always the girl that's like, babe, do you smell that? And he's like, nobody smells that. There's nothing to smell. I'm just macrosmatic, right? All right, are you ready for the last one? Zoanthropy. Zoanthropy. <laughs> oh, this one gives me two. Okay. Delusion of a person who believes himself changed into an animal. <laughs> Zoanthropy. There you have it. Peace can often feel a little elusive. The definition may be a little murky. What is it really? And I believe that we have to know what it is in order to treasure it. That we have to know what it really is in order to protect it, to value it as a gift of God. And we need to understand it as more than just a pretty concept, as more than just a symbol. So what is peace? Well, when we look at the Webster's Dictionary definition for peace, we find two really interesting definitions. One is freedom from disturbance, and then the other is a state or period in which war has ended. But how many of you know that as believers right now, even in these times, that we can have peace in the midst of disturbance, right? that we can have peace in the midst of what we find ourselves in, which is a spiritual battle. So we don't need to wait for the war to cease, and we don't need to wait for a season or a time in which there is no disturbance to be protectors and possessors of peace. When we look at the scriptures, we see so many definitions for peace and how peace is utilized in the life of the believer and in the heart of the Father. In Colossians 3.15, we read, And let the peace of Christ... Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So we see that peace rules. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all, everybody say all, all. understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we see that peace protects. In Matthew 5, 9, we read, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. So we see that peace 
establishes identity as a son and a daughter. In James 3.18, we read, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We see that peace brings a harvest. And then in Psalm 4.8, we read, In peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. O Lord, make me dwell in safety. We see that peace brings rest. The gifts of peace... The descriptors for peace are innumerable in the scriptures. We could go on all day. But what I want to suggest to you today is a biblical definition for peace. And that's this. Peace is the power of the presence of God in every circumstance. Biblical peace is the power of the presence of God in every circumstance. Peace does not mean absence of trial or reality, but it is his power manifest in it all supplying us an inner place of peace and rest that doesn't make sense and could come no other way. Going back to what it says in Philippians 4, 7, it doesn't need to make sense to be real in our hearts. Are you aware today, I'm sure you are, that people need peace? Oh, our world is hungry for it. They are searching high and low. They're putting their hope and their peace in people, broken people. But I want to tell you today that real peace is yours. It's your possession. We have it in the power of the presence of God. So in this political climate, in the midst of racial unrest, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of jobs lost, family and friends who are sick, and maybe all the other losses that weigh on you that maybe feel less significant but are significant to you, I want to tell you that your search for peace today is over. You're going to find it today, the peace that you need. And I want to talk to us a little bit about how the peace of the world compares to the peace of God. We need to know what the counterfeit looks like before we can really identify the real thing. So what does the world's peace look like compared to God's peace? First up, the world's peace, it's elusive. It seems to slip through our fingers. But the peace of God is accessible. Going back to what Jesus himself said in John 14, 27, he made this distinction. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So let your, not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Where the peace of the world feels like it can slip through our grasp, the peace of God is accessible to us in every moment, in every season, in every situation. What else? The peace of the world, it's temporary. But the peace of God is eternal. It lasts into eternity. It is not fragile and it doesn't expire. The peace of the world is self-indulgent, but the peace of God benefits others. One of the ways that you can know if you're functioning in a real peace is whether or not the people around you can feel it. I want you to think right now about the people in your life, the people in your circle. Who would directly benefit from you being more at peace? There's this lie out in our culture that peace just means doing what's best for us, right? Peace means cutting ties with broken people. Peace means just making sure that we do us. It's a face mask and it's a massage. And I don't think any of those things are bad. And I think when we live integrated, God can make things sacred. But what I want to talk to you about today is a peace that leaks out onto your community and your sphere of influence. Because if your peace is just about you holding yourself up in your home, and making sure that you're never in tension with others, then I would like to suggest to you that that's not really peace.
but peace is an inner place that surpasses the tension that you might be experiencing in relationship with other people. What did we talk about last several months? That you don't have to agree to be at peace. Somebody doesn't have to agree with you to experience peace with you. And so today, what do your relationships look like? What's the climate of your relationships in your workplace, in your home, with your spouse, with your friends, with your kids? Are those relationships relationships of peace? Because real peace isn't just about us. It benefits others. And does your version of peace align with the scriptures, the person of Jesus? Or does it only benefit us? I really believe that peaceful people are going to have a very strong witness in this time. It's going to be our peace that speaks volumes, not our information, our peace. How at peace are you? Do the people around you know it? Because I really believe that the peace of God is going to be what speaks for him in us. And it's such a threat to the enemy. Oh, the enemy is so afraid of people of peace. Because it's those people who are confident, right? When you're at peace, you're confident. Not that everything's going to turn around or change or be as you want it to be, but when you're at peace, you know that somebody else is in charge. And so you're at peace. Peace is really trust in the Father as your friend and as your leader. And so the enemy does not want confident Christians in this time. He wants scared Christians. He wants divisive Christians. He wants Christians that are in categories, not loving one another, but pushing each other aside. That's what he wants. So let us contend to be people of peace in this season. No matter how hard it is, it's hard, right? I'm not suggesting something easy to us. Peace is work. It's not something that we have to strive for. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying it's something we really have to work to protect because the enemy is after it. There's an assignment on your peace, so make sure that you protect it because biblical peace benefits other people. The world's peace is acquired through striving and effort but God's peace is given freely. It has never been, friends, would you look at me? It's never been about what you could do. And I just feel like somebody in the room needs to hear that this morning. It's never been about what you could do. It has always been about what Jesus already did. He covered it all. He went the distance. He covered your past. He covered your present. He covers your future. It's never been about your best effort. And so if you find in any part of your relationship with Jesus that you're striving, that you're working for his love, that you're hoping he'll overlook that so that he'll see this, know today that you are unconditionally loved and that it's all been paid for. And so you don't have to strive for or work for his peace. You don't have to tidy yourself up and put your best church clothes on for his peace. No, his peace is a free, everybody say free, free. gift. It is a free gift. We don't have to strive for it or work for it. The peace of the world offers us some shallow satisfaction. But the peace of God offers us deep transformation. Peace doesn't numb, it heals. Peace doesn't distract, it heals. And so if if you're looking for a distraction, you're not going to find peace. And if you're looking for numbing or just a break, you're not going to find peace. Peace is something that we put on in the midst of the tension, in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the struggle. And it provides us deep transformation. Peace changes us. And I believe that there are even seasoned believers in this room today and God wants to take your peace to another level. So many of us, and I'll say myself included, especially this year, 
we've settled for temporary solutions to a real problem. I'm going to give you a little TMI moment, but stick with me, okay? I'm not closing with this, so you'll probably forgive me later. When I was pregnant, all of you all so, sure went so nervous in the front right now with what I'm about to say. And I thought I would just like sit, let it sit there for a second, let you sweat it out a bit. Okay, so when I was pregnant, just stay with me. My feet got so swollen, like beyond recognition. It was a little bit like a train wreck. Like you couldn't look away, but you'd never forget what you saw. <laughs> they were really bad, okay? Like really, really bad and way too early on, okay? There was just... It was unfair, personally, okay? My sister-in-law was just the most beautiful pregnant woman I've ever seen in my life. Did her feet ever get swollen? No, but you know what? God's grace is different in my life, apparently. So my feet got swollen so bad. And I, I'm not trying to complain here, okay? I'm so thankful for the, the miracle of life. Um, but all, the, all you moms know that there's just some things that come your way that you didn't ask for, okay? You just didn't ask for it. They were so swollen. But the thing was, is like we weren't really in a position to just buy me all these new shoes. And I was pregnant during the winter, so sandals weren't an option. It was raining. And um, some of you who were around me when I was pregnant, I wore my Birkenstocks out, like pouring rain, thunder and lightning. And I just, I just wore my Birkenstocks. There was no option. I couldn't just completely replace all of my shoes. And so we just... We just figured it out, right? Like, it was sort of like 2020 in a nutshell. Like, we just adapted. We just tried to pivot, okay? So I would, like, loosen my shoelaces. Did you guys ever, like, loosen your shoelaces and stick your socks behind the tongue of your shoe? And for some reason, that was a style to, like, make our foot look, like, disproportionately large. We were so lost. Like, I don't know what that trend was about. Some of you missed it and consider yourself blessed for it. So I would have to loosen my laces. I just, every shoe, it was just like, how can we make this happen so that I can just wear shoes, so that I can go out, just not be barefoot and like protect these, these little whales that are at the bottom of my legs. And, and we tried, okay, we tried. But everything we did was, was not, it was, it was not a real fix. It was absolutely a temporary solution to a real problem. And I believe that some of us are putting on a temporary solution for a real problem, a real need for peace, and what you really need are shoes of peace. In Ephesians 6, 14 through 15, when Paul invites us to put on the armor of God, if you're unfamiliar, we have an armor. Some of us need it. If you didn't know, we have an armor, and if you're not wearing it, today is the day, okay? Ephesians 6, you can go home and read it this week. But I want to center in on verses 14 and 15. It says, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. If you're a church kid by any account, you just know these as the shoes of peace. And it's these shoes of peace. Why, why is peace attributed to shoes? Well, I believe that it's because when we put on these shoes of peace, we can stand. We can stand strong, we can stand firm, and then we can go into battle. It's an indication of direction. And so again, when we revisit Merriam-Webster's dictionary, I mean, no disrespect here, but we don't need a lack of disturbance and we don't need a lack of battle to be a people of peace. Because we have shoes of peace that we can fasten on today. Everybody say today to stand in the midst of disturbance, to walk into the spiritual battle that you've been called to, that you've been appointed to. Friends, it's not happening to you. You're ready for it. 
any attack, any discouragement, anything that's coming your way, any lie in your ear, you're ready for it. Because you have the armor of God. Because you have the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we need to put on our shoes of peace so that we can be battle ready. And so that we can stand strong. We look to these temporary solutions thinking they'll give us peace. Like if we just have approval, we'll have peace. Like if we just watch enough news and have enough information and listen to enough podcasts, we'll have peace. If everybody agrees with us, we'll have peace. If we have control, we'll have peace. Come on. Those things don't bring peace. Those things might bring a little bit of shallow satisfaction, but real peace, deep transformation comes when we put on the armor of God, when we fasten our shoes of peace, and we say, come on, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. And I know some of you this morning, you are beat down, but you're not destroyed. You feel distant, but you're not detached. You belong in the family of God. And maybe you you haven't been watching church as much as you thought you would. And maybe you haven't been in your Bible as much as you thought you would. And maybe you've been a little bit more prone to gossip and judgment. And the things that maybe you felt were a little bit more laced up last year than they are this year. That's okay. Today's a new day. And you still belong in the family of God. And it's time to fasten on these shoes of peace and put on our armor of God and say, no more enemy. I'm getting up. You don't get to kick me anymore while I'm down. I'm getting up. And there are things you've called me to. And whatever everyone else would call as a limit to what you can do through me, I call an opportunity to do it differently, to see it differently, to stand differently in this season. And so I just, I pray, and this is what I've been praying for you for all this, all this morning and this week as I've been preparing, been preparing for you, is for a fresh measure of courage. The people of God need courage and they need peace. Peace isn't passive. It's the power of the presence of God in you, through you, with you, and everything that you're going through. And so if you're hungry this morning for deep transformation, may I encourage you to press into that power of the presence, to press into that peace that's available to you. You might be listening this morning and thinking to yourself, okay, I'm in, Tori, let's do this. Sounds great. I've identified what peace is and what it isn't, but how do I protect it? Because I know maybe what it feels like in a moment, or maybe for some of you today, this is new, in which case I'm so excited for you. How do I protect it? How do I walk in it? What does this even look like? Other than just reading Ephesians 6 and praying that over myself and and putting on these metaphorical spiritual shoes of peace, what do I do? I want to talk to you about how you protect your peace. Before I get into that, I want to read for you Psalm 23, and I'm going to read it in the Passion Paraphrase. It's a beautiful paraphrase, and it just puts this psalm in such gorgeous language. And so if you're ready to protect your peace, if you're ready to receive your peace, would you just either put your arms out or put your hand on your heart, or maybe you need to close your eyes to hear these words in a deeper way. Don't worry about what's on the screen. You can highlight it later, but I really want this to just settle deep. Psalm 23, the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Everybody just take a deep breath. Breathe in the peace of God. I know it's a little weird with our masks, but we're doing our best. 
I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? Why would I fear the future? For your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward. When my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Everybody say amen. Amen. What a good word, right? I could stop right there. The peace of God is in this room. The power of his presence is in this room. So how do we protect our peace? I'm going to be referring to that chunk of scripture as a reference. First, in order to protect your peace, friends, you need to rest in his unconditional friendship and his trustworthy leadership. That's what this passage talks to us about, that he's a good friend, an unconditional friend, and he is a trustworthy leader. Who needs both? I need both. I want it all. Unconditional friendship and trustworthy leadership. Rest in that, that he is near near to you. He provides all of the emotional support that you need. Maybe you haven't tapped into, and he knows where he's going. And he knows where he's taking us. I love that word that Madison shared, that there is a promised land. There is a new place, a new resting place for the people of God. And so we need to not look over our shoulder anymore and reminisce and romanticize what was. But trust that God is still a good leader and is carrying us into a new, better, everybody say better, dare I say better place. That's what he's doing. So we need to rest in that. How else do we protect our peace We need to be restored in that quiet place. That's what this passage is all about. It's that quiet place. It's that inner place of intimacy with him. So while context and circumstance and you open your window and all you hear is chaos continues to go on, you can have an inner place of peace. But it's something we cultivate. It's something we make time for. It's something we don't make excuses about because we need it. We're desperate for it. And can I just challenge some of us to go beyond those 10 minutes? If 10 minutes is all you got, Jesus loves you. He's going to meet you in those 10 minutes. But I think that some of us need to break that glass ceiling a little bit and go beyond those 10 minutes and go into a deeper place like we did this morning in worship where it was good. God was being glorified, but we pressed deeper. We went further and God showed up in a way that we might have missed had we not. And so would you just be restored in that quiet place? And would you maybe take that quiet, that inner place with God to another level? How else do we protect our peace? Instead of praying for it, whatever it is for you to pass, pray that his nearness and his wisdom would be alongside you in the midst of it. I love in this psalm when it says you remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. 
You don't remove it. You lead me through it. And I think that's what God's doing in some of us today. We're fixated on the problem disappearing, but he's fixated on making you different and doing something new in your life. How else do we protect our peace? We let his overflow drown out our fears. Did you know that we don't operate in a kingdom of scarcity, but of abundance? There's always enough. And you might be sitting today at your table saying, for me, yes, for you. There is always enough peace. There is always enough presence. There is always enough in the kingdom of God for you. And so we don't operate in scarcity. We're wondering if we're going to miss it. But we receive it as children of God, knowing that he's a good father who gives good gifts. And so we let that overflow, as that passage talked about. I'm looking for it. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. Overflows. And then in the beginning, I always have more than enough. So when fear tells you there's not enough, there's not enough time, that God's not moving, that we're missing it, that we're in the wrong place, would you let his abundance speak over that fear and lean into it? The last thing I want to share with you today is one of the ways we protect our peace is we stay homesick for heaven. I loved that last verse when it says, then afterward, when my life is through, I will return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. We need to keep eternity in mind. This life is temporary. It is of immense value, but it's temporary. And so we need to come back to our kingdom purpose that has eternity in scope. I was talking with a friend this morning, even that Paul said that Jesus was coming back soon. Paul said soon. And it's been a little while since Paul walked the earth. Um, But he said soon. And Jesus said soon. And so I say to you this morning, he's coming back soon. And when we keep eternity in mind, peace is more of a priority than distraction and division and being right. Because we're aware that eternity is around the corner and souls and people and relationship and grace are just of too high value to sacrifice. So let's revisit our altars this morning. What are we sacrificing? And let's instead bring sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of peace, sacrifices of unity, connection, trust. When we stay homesick for heaven, it it completely changes how we live on earth. Are you grateful for his peace today? So right now as I close and I release you to table talk, I want you to just close your eyes. And consider where you need the power of his presence to meet you. Where do you need the power of the presence of God, his peace, to meet you? I declare his peace over your job. I declare his peace over your home. I declare his peace over your marriage. I declare his peace over your body. I declare his peace over your mental health. I declare his peace over your future. I declare his peace over your past. I declare his peace over your dreams, over the generations behind you. I declare his peace in every area of unrest, in your heart, in your soul, in your body, in your life. And I just proclaim the power of the presence of God to come and to meet you. And friend, before we move on, would you receive it? Maybe you even need to say it to the Lord, I receive your peace today. Agree. Agree with this gift of peace. And right where you are, would you just say, Lord, I commit to protecting this peace. It's too valuable. 
Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence that has just been moving in our midst all morning. But Lord, it doesn't live here. It lives in us. And so I pray that the people of God in this place would know that your power and your presence have, fill, have filled them to overflow. That they lack no good thing. That there is always enough. And so we press into that precious place of peace. We will not miss it. We know that there's enough for all of us. And so with open hands, Lord, as children, we just say, yes, more, Lord. More, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for your peace. Thank you, God, that we lead as people of peace today. That even in, when the world lacks it, we have your peace. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen, amen. amen. Enjoy Table Talk with those around you, and we'll close our service in just a few moments.